When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining Watermark's podcast series, Women of the C-Suite, where we have the pleasure of hosting some of the most distinguished female executives anywhere about their journeys and the paths they took to get to the top. I'm Nicole Ward-Parr, and I join you with my co-host, the CEO of Watermark, Peggy Northrup. In this series, we draw out meaningful insights and candid perspectives that will help you to make your mark. Hi, everyone. I'm Peggy Northrup. I'm the CEO of Watermark, and I'm excited to have with us today on our podcast, Sharice Hawkins. Sharice is an engineer and a technologist with a passion for driving what she calls the evolution of digital narrative content. And she believes she has the best job ever as the founder and CEO of PageDip. Now, I know PageDip very well. I know Sharice very well because Sharice is the big brain behind our spiffy new website at Watermark. And I'm very excited for everybody to have a look at that and to hear how she came to this innovative new product. But first, a little bit more about her. She is an award-winning business owner, an accomplished speaker, and she's appeared in Van Fair on a vanishingly short list of women of color who have received venture backing. So we can talk about that as well. And she's appeared on Shark Tank, uh, something I know you don't really want to talk about. So we're going to skip that, Cherise. Our um, background includes working as a uh, Walt Disney Imagineer, building theme parks around the globe. That I do want to talk about, as well as joining Time Warner Cable, where she served as the VP of Software Development. So thank you so much for being here, Cherise. I really appreciate it. Always love having a conversation with you. Thanks, Peggy. I feel the same way. I'm looking forward to a chat that we just have to be recording. Exactly. Exactly. So one of the things that I'm curious about as I look at your background is you've been lots of different places and you've tried a lot of different things. And then I looked at your list of hobbies and there's like a whole bunch of stuff that you and I haven't talked about. And some people really start out life like, I'm 12 years old, I'm going to be a doctor, I've made up my mind, and I go out and do it. Other people have many more twists and turns. How? What's the through line for you in all the different things you've done? Definitely insatiable curiosity, sometimes to a fault. I just read a book by Adam Grant called Read That to Think Again, I think it's what it's called. And he said, it's cruel for us to ask small children, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because it sets you up for, I've got to make a decision, and I've got to have a guiding star. And he said, you can uh, set your GPS sites on a particular location, and you might be traveling to the wrong, the wrong place. Um, but I'm insatiably curious, and so as one door would open, and we get involved in a particular area, um, then something else would catch my eye. And and but I do think there's a thread of curiosity, and there's a, a thread of building things, um, and there's a, a thread of wanting to be of service through all of those different. Um, and and I believe entertainment can be. Of service to humanity, not just, uh, you know, I, I'm not a doctor and so I'm not finding the cure for cancer. So those are the two things I think led the journey. And um, I do think that that you have to keep making decisions as you get more information and not be afraid to pursue things that um, catch your attention or as the world unfolds and things and other opportunities um, arise to go for it. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And talk about a little bit about becoming an entrepreneur because you had a big job. You had a you had a great job um, with a stable company, and it's because I've done this too. And you go out as an entrepreneur, and it's like talk about risk. And but you've been at it now for a good long time, and I'm sure are feeling successful. But talk a little bit about that decision and the kinds of fears that you had to overcome. Are there things that you wish you had known prior to launching your company? That's a really interesting story as well. I um, I think people get the entrepreneurial spirit at different for different reasons and at different phases of their life. And I've noticed, um, especially for women. Um, there tend to be, you know, kind of really early in your career or um, at a later stage when you have maybe a little bit more financial security um, or uh, your children a little bit older. Um, I do have a daughter. And um, one, of the, one of the key things for me was we have to have the 401k, uh, the, uh, the, what is it, the 529 funded. That I, I wouldn't not, I wouldn't leave corporate until I knew we had, you know, the educational piece um, locked in for our daughter. And, and those aren't necessarily decisions that everyone thinks about for a lot of different, you know, family reasons, but um, it was really important to me that I couldn't take, I wanted to take a personal and a career risk and follow my passion for, for building, but I was, wasn't able or wasn't willing to put any of my family or my family responsibilities at risk. And that means that I started entrepreneurship later in life, you know, it was well beyond the twenties. The, the and I think we're starting to realize that more women, um, uh, change careers and pursue different interests and uh, become entrepreneurs um, at, at perhaps different stages than the classical, the classic on TV, as, as seen on TV, um, students that are still in Stanford. Right. Student with a hoodie. Now, yeah. out of this, it seemed to come out of the same box. I read somewhere, in fact, once that the chief trigger for someone to become an entrepreneur is that they inherit money. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> generational wealth built in the in the entrepreneur ecosystem. And so you've gone out, you've gone out and raised money, you've got you have you built a company and built revenue. What are the kinds of things that you would tell somebody else in your situation about raising money in particular? All the entrepreneurs I know, this is a huge pain point for them. Uh, that stat about inheriting is fascinating. I had not heard that one. Um, but uh, yeah, that's an interesting reference. Um, in terms of raising money, there's a number of um, things that I wish I, I would go back and tell my, my, my former self. One is to, to raise enough money and, and, and to, to not put yourself in a situation where you are underfunded. And when you're first starting out and you're a first-time entrepreneur, it's hard to understand what, what underfunded means. You're so excited that people are wanting to believe in your business, but really doing the, the math and saying, what do I need to um, have to meet that next milestone. And luckily I had, you know, kind of an engineering background and I had experience managing multi-million dollar budgets from corporate. So I had that perspective. Um, but I do think it's, it can be a blind spot for people to not understand, um, what do you really need to get started? You want to, you want to make sure that you've got the right foundation in place. Um, I do know people that have, uh, you know, kind of run off the cliff, unfortunately, because, they, they didn't do that. Cash flow is king. And so you've got to have a, a plan in place for that. Um, but I will say that the, you know, the stats that you read about um, women founders and, and uh, unrepresented founders, those are, those are real. I've lived um, the 
additional number of people that you have to talk to 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 raise the same amount. I've lived the uh, uh, sometimes the funds that are interested in underrepresented founders um, are not ones that have the capacity to do follow-on investments and understanding follow-on investments and what your cap table will look like not just now, but over time is something that you really need to spend time and, and learn about uh, before you just jump into the deep end of the pool because it has repercussions um, in the near term and in the long term and, and when, when your eventual exit happens. Right, and talk a little bit about that um, change from corporate into entrepreneurship. I mean, I remember when I just, I had left a big job and I was really used to having an assistant and I was at an airport and normally I would travel with, I'm sure you had the same experience. You travel that your assistant gives you a sheet or, you know, so you have everything written down. And so you don't really have to think. I was in the airport reading a book and missed the plane because I had not on my calendar, I had not translated to the new time zone. And so I just missed it completely and went up to the gate and said, what happened to my airplane? <laughs> And that was when I realized I have to get my act together here because I am no longer working in a big company with an assistant who can tell me what to do. So I, everybody I know who has made that transition has had some kind of story like that. Do you have one? Oh, I don't know if I have a story like that. Well, one thing is there's this particular kind of pen that I I just loved. And, and now I write on a digital tablet, which I love this digital tablet, you should get one. Um, but just the things that the, the conveniences that would happen because, you know, my assistant knew uh, what my preferences were. And she knew, literally, she would know how quickly I would go through this box of pins and another one would show up. And like, you just don't, you take that stuff for granted, which cracks me up now. Yeah. Um, but as you were you know, starting that whole question, the, before you said assistant, the first thing that jumped in my mind was, oh my gosh, having someone that helps manage um, the operations, whether it's your personal calendar and, and travel and expense reports and things like that, or, um, or just the operations in general. And, and the amount of time that running a, a business takes, you don't have that operational infrastructure is shocking. There's, there's always something every week that requires um, the attention of someone that takes care of those details. And those details um, can mean, you know, did you miss your tax your employment tax payment or not, right. um, but there they aren't things that um, when you when you first start into corporate, those are not experiences that you that come naturally. You have the opportunity to do. Yet, I, I tell people whether you start off an entrepreneurship and you get to work for a large company later, you work for a large company and then you um, uh, become an entrepreneur. There are skills and um, experiences that are very important in both worlds, and I and and I'm really excited to the fact that I now have had both of those. I can see both sides. I understand the pros and cons. Um, my daughter asked me, well, do you think I should work for a small company or start my own company? I'm like, well, let's sit down and talk about that because there's, it's not like there's a right answer, um, but there might be a lot of things that you don't anticipate. Um, one, one description I see say about being a CEO is you do all the jobs that no one else you don't have someone to do or, or, you or are left over. Those don't just fall to you. Right. And that could be uh, you know, talking to the the uh, the health insurance provider when something goes awry, like it, it's it can be a mystery every day what what falls in that category. Yeah. So it keeps it exciting. Yes, <laughs> I'll say that different every single day. 
Well, talking about things that have been different every day, I like to ask people on our podcast how the last year has been, because this has been such a challenging year. And we talk to people who are in cybersecurity, who are in the healthcare field, who, but anyone running any kind of a business has had extraordinary challenges this year. So what, what have you learned about leadership during this time? Have you had to do things differently? Are there changes you've noticed in yourself or things that you realize you have to do with your team that are a little bit different? I'm really, really proud of our team. And you had to make quick decisions. You know, we, I remember our lease was up in the middle of COVID. So we, we, we've been not in our offices, of course, and um, but no one knew at the beginning of COVID how long this was going to last. So this decision of do you do you go in one weekend and move everything out and, and give up your lease, or do you do you you know kind of hang in there for the long haul? We decided to to leave um, our office building, and we all went to our own home offices. And I was I didn't really have a worry about it, but it was pleasantly. Um, it was, it was pleasant that it was, it didn't become an issue at all. We didn't lose, we didn't skip a beat. Like we, we added one more meeting. We used to do standups once a day and we have standups twice a day. We did, we have one more meeting and we put our zoom in place and our Slack channels and all that sort of stuff to communicate. Um, and I was, it just reminded me that when you've got the right culture and you've got the right product, you've got the right team, that, that a lot of these, these issues, um, that I would truly fret over, um, in my corporate life of, oh my gosh, I have a remote employee and how will they stay motivated and connected? Um, it, it, we all kind of pulled together and it, and it worked out really well. And in some ways, I think um, we have some advantages now to being um, remote and uh, being able to not hop on a plane and to, to go to a, a one hour meeting on the East Coast, which I can't believe we used to do that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, in, in general, I think my life model is it all works out. I think um, things are, we are stronger. Um, we have more business opportunities now because of the remote um, nature of, of work. Uh, but I, I'm not, it's not to say that it wasn't a scary time. It wasn't um, somewhat perilous. And back to the cash flow problem, I was very concerned about how the pandemic would affect um, our revenue projections, our customers. We've had, thankfully, no churn. Um, but it was a very tumultuous and emotional time to, to be a leader and, and, and hope that you're making the right decisions and um, then get data on what decisions you were making and try and rapidly adapt to the new normal. Right. Are there different are there differences that you notice in yourself as a result of having gone through this period, both personal and professional? I mean, I know, for example, I pay a lot more attention now to I'm starting to feel burned out, stressed out. I have to do something right now. I don't want to let this fester. I can't just not exercise. Mm-hmm. Are there things that you've noticed for yourself? The thing that I miss the most is um, I like to do um, it's called aerial silks, where you you go to a studio and and uh, climb large pieces of fabric from and hang from the ceiling and <laughs> unfurl in really interesting yes, and creative ways. Um, needless to say, I couldn't do that over COVID, and I didn't have an aerial rig in my house. And so, finding other ways, and I, and I discovered that certain types of extracurricular activities um, allowed you to be allowed me to be fully present. And I needed that time to when you're ready to do a, an aerial drop, you are not thinking about accounting. Like you're just, I am not going to die. You know, so. Um, 
meditation and self-care and um, and nutrition all came more to the forefront because we're, we're making every meal at home um, and we're just sort of managing the uncertainty. I, I don't think it was, you know, the pandemic obviously was, was a, a, a defining moment and a, and a health risk and all those things, but it also, we were inside and we were, we were kind of figuring out what our new normal be and, uh, and just things like, how do we want to make every meal of every week um, healthy and fulfilling and exciting? And so we started cooking more as a family. So um, I just think it taught me more about how do you approach problems and you have control over how you react to certain things that are outside your control at a, I would say that in the past, but then you got to really practice it. <laughs> really practice it for many months on end. Yes. Um, so that turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Yeah. yeah. Let's, those are the kinds of things we want to hang on to as we start, as things start to open up. I mean, there's been a lot of good news recently and the vaccination rates are going up and there are things that I'm starting to look forward to of real travel again. Where's mm -hmm. the first place you want to go, Charisse? Um. I want to go abroad because we we always traveled abroad, you know, a lot. We, our, our, my, my daughter has a passport that's incredibly impressive for the age, you know, her age compared to, to when I was growing up. Um, but seeing family, like we we didn't get together for family as much. And so first and foremost would be to go uh, see some of our extended family that we just haven't had a chance to. And then right after that, <laughs> um, I'd like to go to, um, I've always wanted to go to Norway and I've always wanted to go to Peru. And both trips were planned and both trips were canceled um, due to, to the pandemic. Right. Oh, good. Well, can I come? <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> well, listen, I want to have you talk a little bit about page dip and your invention. Now, I have some personal experience with it, but um, I want to hear how you came up with this idea and what that journey has been like and sort of where you are in, in uh, on the trajectory of your company. Sure, sure. Um, as you mentioned before, I'm an, I'm an engineer by by degree and, and, and also disposition. Um, but I think of engineering maybe a little bit differently than some, and certainly not the stereotypical way. I believe that um, engineering is a really very, a very creative career. And I, I talk about it that way. I talk to young people when I, when I get to speak, uh, have the privilege of speaking to young people about that. And I think it's, it's disappointing that we don't consider engineering in that light. Um, as opposed to, I don't, I don't do calculus every day. I, I'll just be, I'll admit it. I like calculus, but I don't do it every day. Um, and I also feel very strongly around um, how we communicate and making sure that what we communicate is accessible to all. And it, and it dawned on me back in corporate, frankly, um, that the way we're, we're using tools that were most often the tools that we're using are, are, are tools that were created before the internet. So we're, we're applying what I call flat and stale documentation to a modern society and a modern reader. And there's a lot of disconnect that, that comes because of that. Um, and on top of that, we don't have the efficacy to understand whether um, what we're producing is really meeting the mark and, and doing its job. So in a nutshell, PageDip is an authoring environment. It's a, a no code, any mere mortal can use it. Um, that allows you to create interactive documentation really, really rapidly, um, making sure that it's, in, it's engaging, it's on brand, um, and most importantly, that it's measurable. So you can figure out um, whether this is really working right down to the specific word or widget and have this virtuous cycle around uh, improving the material. 
And to, for some extra uh, sprinkles of goodness on top, um, we make sure that the content is uh, accessible by the blind and, and visually impaired. And um, I feel strongly that you know making content better, uh, making making it a single source of truth, and making it accessible um, are really important traits. And it only makes your business better when you can measure um, how well something's doing. So that's what we that's we we um, what we have created with this fantastic team. And I've been pleasantly surprised at how many places um, it's found a home. So not only in um, enterprise, which is our, our biggest uh, uh, clientele comes from, from enterprise customers, but we've also worked with um, hospitals and medical providers to improve their, uh, like their post-op care documentation. Um, we have a couple of higher education um, organizations that use page dips. Uh, for communication. And then we had this fantastic project. I think it was just due to our knowing each other that we were talking one day about you needed a new website and some of the issues that you'd had with uh, with the watermark uh, communication. And, and we started just riffing off of, well, could it be a page dip? And what would that look like? And what would the benefits be? And that was um, truly a fantastic collaboration and project from last year. And I, I, I'm biased, but I think the, out, the outcome um, is is nothing short of magical. It is magical. And also it happened so incredibly fast because it was something that I had been wanting to do from day one and got taking over this job. And then to be able to finish it in just a couple of months was that to me was just so fantastic. Patience, not my strong suit. And so <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was really great. Um, so where do you see, you know, if you had a vision of of your career, your company in the next five or 10 years, what, do you, how do you, how do you envision that? Do you let yourself go there? <laughs> I do. You have to dream. You have to dream. Um, Cause I think uh, I read something about, you know, dreams are, are, are the future. You know, that's how you, you map out the future is, is to really allow yourself to think about um, how you, where you, where you want to be and how you want to get there. Um, our, our, our view of the world is that content can be measured, but, measurably better, um, not only in how it's created, but how it's distributed and how it's um, how it's measured in terms of, of uh, like I said, its efficacy. So that is the lens that we use to look at um, feature requests, um, how we're, we're moving the product forward, what we're asking our customers, what we're offering to our customers. And that's really exciting. And I don't think that journey will ever end. I think we continue to evolve. Um, as I like to say, you know, when holograms are, are available, um, we'll put them in page depth. So we're we're always looking for how to incorporate the next best thing and how to um, improve um, just how we communicate, um, whether it's, like I said, uh, in a business sense or, or maybe even a personal sense. I would ultimately like to see um, this tool available to students. Um, so that's kind of one of my secret dreams is to be able to, to give, uh, pay it forward to, to the younger generation. Um, and I think that, uh, being able to become, uh, have, have a successful, um, you know, outcome to this, this journey and be able to support, um, uh, entrepreneurs and be an angel investor. I, I, I'm one of the people that writes down goals longhand. And one of them is, you know, be an angel investor. I think that's the equivalent of, of, of having an inheritance, uh, you know, having the, the resources to be able to help other small businesses, uh, grow to be, really impactful. I think that would be um, a fantastic next chapter. Right. 
Yeah, that would be a great way to pay it forward. And you have so much wisdom to pass on, Sharice. I mean, I've found that I can ask you things like, oh, this is the, I have my tap, my my people who are in my kitchen cabinet, and I consider you to be one of them. <laughs> That's a big plug. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you, um, I want to go back to the Disney Imagineer thing, because so many people are fascinated by that part of your career. So talk about what you learned from that. It must have been exciting and thrilling and fun and silly. <laughs> Um, and it was also a long time ago, but I feel like it's still, that was my first job out of college. Really? And um, we don't need to talk about numbers, but just <laughs> trust me that it was a, a while ago. The um, I, I worked on um, the Paris Disneyland project, which opened in the early 90s. So that just kind of gives you some perspective. I think it was a real interesting turning point because it's where I got to every day kind of this really experience that engineering is creative and, and uh, their, their problems would come to us around a, a new idea or a new ride or a new show that had, like, no one had figured this out before. There was no, there was no roadmap for um, how to make a new, how to make uh, you know, Paris Disneyland. So it, it teaches you this, um, this approach to thinking about problems, to evaluating different options, uh, that has really carried through every single job um, that I've ever had. And so I'm incredibly grateful for that experience. And it also taught me, you know, different organizations have different cultures and different makeup of um, who the decision makers are and, and what's and what drives uh, the organization. And so with Disney, it, the creatives really drive as they should. They drive all the decisions around um, the experience. And I've worked in other companies where engineering led all of the decisions. And I've worked with in other companies where the business, um, the, the pure business model, the financials drove the business. And they all have merit. And they all have, again, pros and cons. Um, and understanding what resonates with you and where you want to be at each phase of your career. Um, the, I, I feel privileged to have had that experience. Um, and I I just look back. I'm still, I'm still a big roller coaster um, fan. I'm still a big Disney fan. Um, I don't think it, it'll ever leave my my blood. Uh, it was a, it's just a phenomenal experience. Um, and yet there are there are other aspects about working for Disney. For example, when they say the park's going to open on a certain date, it opens on that date, no matter what. There's no there's no schedule slip. And so the intensity and understanding how to meet a deadline at, as large as that really big audacious goals. Um, was also a fantastic experience. A, a little sleep deprived, but a definitely a fantastic experience. It is interesting, isn't it? Sometimes those very early jobs stay with you in ways that you don't expect. My very, very early jobs were in working on newspapers and meeting those deadlines. And similarly, it's five o'clock, the paper ships. That's it. Yes. It's being printed. If you're not ready, you're not in the paper that day. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes there's a typo. I always feel I look at typos now and I think I know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but that discipline is was a really great thing to to um, experience and being held accountable and, and you've got to do what you say you're going to do. And you you're pulling together to make this really, really large thing happen. Um, I, I don't think I've worked on any any. Pro I mean, in, yeah, I don't think I've worked on any project that had that kind of. Um, that kind of deadline or the the single vision and single focus that 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 helps drive excellence. 
Right, right. Well, and it does, I think, help too with managing a team and recognizing how how joyful working on a team can be. I think mm-hmm. that's something that that you have I've heard you talk about that. I've heard you talk about your team that way. And there is a lot of joy and creativity there, which I think is oftentimes missing from the way we think about our careers. Um, some a wonderful coach that I have I have worked with has a Venn diagram and she calls it you know, one circle is productivity and one circle is value, right? It's like what people value you for, what value you get out of it, what, how much you get paid. And then the third one is joy. And when those three things can come together, you're in a really good place and focusing on that joy. And I always feel that coming from you in the way you, you talk about your career and your product. One of the people that I had the pleasure of getting to know, working with, and, and became a friend is Erica Anderson, who wrote Being Strategic, among a number of other business books that are, that are very popular bestsellers. And uh, she always talks about coaching is helping people get to their most hope for future. And it's always, always stuck with me, even though I worked with her many years ago. And I, and I do think we, we um, have to embrace um, how our jobs um, are a part of who we are and what we want to share with the world and, and, and what we want to have ex- in exchange for that. Um, and I hope that the next generation, um, our, my daughter and others, can can find that joy in what they do for a, a pretty significant amount of, of your life. Um, and I, I don't think right now of, of having a job, I, I'm completely in that flow state. I'm completely lost um, when I'm working on page tips, I'm working with customers. Um, it is a completely joyous experience. And I, I think you guys felt that when we, when we were putting your website together, it's, there was some, there was some giddiness, there was some glee, Um, even though there was a tough deadline. And then we had our, our, our fair share of, you know, technical hiccups that we had to work through, um, overall, um, a lot of fun. Yes. And I think it's, I think it always shows in the product when people are having fun, you can tell. Mm -hmm. So what is, um, what are you challenging yourself with at this moment? Do you have another kind of mountain you want to climb another? Maybe it's, maybe it's not a mountain. Maybe it's something that you want to hang from and swing from <laughs> thinking about you and your silks. <laughs> your tall that you want to jump off. <laughs> it goes back to where I started. Um, just that insatiable curiosity and, and always, um, always, looking for new answers and new perspectives. I'm a, I, I love reading. I love reading different um, ideas. Um, it, never being bored. Like I, my husband says, you're at your worst when you're bored. I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, so just kind of following those, those things that interest and, and more and more and more, I think giving back um, to, to others, whether it's it being, becoming a, an angel investor or helping those that are starting off in their career. I didn't understand the power of, of networking and, and, and accessibility um, in every aspect of that word. And now I'm, I, I do, and I feel like I'm in a place where I can help others. And so anyone who's listening to this podcast, you know, I am on LinkedIn and I answer requests for people to, to talk or meet or how can we help? I, I think the world is, um, we, we say it's a small place, but I think it could be even smaller and, and there's always ways for us to help move others forward. And that's where a lot of the joy is, is um, helping others and, and not always being concerned about yourself. Wonderful. Last question for you. What are you telling your daughter right now? You've talked about her several times during this podcast. And I'm curious, 
first of all, does she take your advice? I think that um, I do think that that opening up. Um, I don't know if you saw the the Ted Lasso, the famous Ted Lasso scene that that show has been fantastic. He talks about curiosity, is doing the dartboard, and um, we talk a lot about about curiosity. We also talk a lot about you can't plan. You can put yourself in situations where you have other experiences, uh, but right when she got out of school, she's like, okay, well, how do I plan like the next, you know, what, what am I going to do in 10 years? And I, and I laughed out loud. And I said, do you know, if, you know what my career was like. Um, and yet being open to those new experiences or asking those questions or putting yourself in a situation where you can, you know, take on the difficult project or um, do something that's not, not well, not well understood you know, taking those risks um, has had has been the most exciting um, things that, that I look back on scariest, but most exciting. So um, not having a prescription, I think, is is part of the fun. And I and I as an engineer, it was a little bit hard to accept that. But as soon as I did, I think uh, I think things got a lot better. Yeah, it's like chasing your excitement, chasing your curiosity, remaining open to new experiences. Mm-hmm. Terrific advice for anyone, daughters, mothers, and ourselves. Thank you so much, Grace. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today. I really, really appreciate it. And it was a pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And for anybody who wants to check out PageDip, it is at pagedip.com. And you can see some of the results at wearewatermark.org. Thank you again. Thank you all so much for listening today. Along with my co-host, Nicole Ward-Parr, I invite you to check out all of our upcoming programs at wearewatermark.org. With leadership training and inspirational fireside chats with awesome coaches, entrepreneurs, and women business leaders every single week, we're dedicated to helping you become the leader you were meant to be. We hope you'll consider becoming a member, lend your expertise, or come to one of our in-person conferences. We'll learn, we'll connect, and we'll have fun, I promise. Hope to see you soon. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.